I hope you enjoy this podcast. It's with Lucho Cecchinello, an old friend of mine. Um, as you'll hear, I was at my mate's house, Steve Brogan's, uh, helping him dig some footings. So I think you can hear some clanking of wheelbarrows in the background. And uh, his two lads, Benji and Brody, were playing as well, so you might hear them. So apologies for that. Not that you'll be bothered, I'm sure. But um, as far as swearing goes, I don't actually think there's that much. I think it's, well, it's probably just me again. So you've been warned. Hello there, welcome to Gasset Out. Uh, we are here once again, ready to talk to another guest. A uh, bit of a different angle we're going with this time. A bit of a different angle, actually, for uh, Neil. Uh, I'm still in the uh, back attic office. Um, Neil, I can hear birdsong. Are you on an adventure? Are you exploring? I'm on an adventure. I am social distancing, though. I want to get that out there before the complaints, the <laughs> thousands of complaints come barreling in. I'm in Liverpool. I am at Steve Brogan's house. Steve Brogan, the uh, British Superstock champion, a very good friend of mine. We've been friends for, well, literally since 1995, I think. He's building an extension out the back of his house, adding on to his kitchen, and he needed a cheap labourer. Hashtag free. <laughs> so uh, you're not building any walls, are you? No, we're not. We're we're a long <laughs> way from that point. I can assure you. I've I've turned up today, and uh, my God, there's some work to do. But really? it's brilliant because like Brog is like I say one of my best mates in the world. Funny as uh, his wife's amazing, Tiger. His kids are absolutely brilliant as well. So we're uh, we're on for a good day doing a bit of work. And actually. My back's already aching, so I'm glad we can sit down and do this podcast and I've got a bit of a rest. So really? let's stretch this one out. Let's stretch D- it out. Guys. Digging trenches, are you? I am, yeah, literally. Yeah. Brilliant. It's good fun. Yeah. yeah, I bet, I bet. It makes change from spray painting, doesn't it? Exactly. <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none, <laughs> as did. you know. I didn't say that. I didn't want to say that. I but, think before you know. we, we do any more small talk, I think we've... Are we time for the big announcement? What? What's that big announcement? Well, the big announcement, right? Anyone who's been following the podcast will clearly know mm. that you've been trying to get Danilo Petrucci for, I'm going to say, six weeks now. It could be eight. Give over. Um, you've That's promised. Not true. You've let people down. I've had people in tears ringing me up going, I thought <laughs> we were going to have Danilo Petrucci. And, and to be honest, the ratings of the podcast have gone down. Because so wait a second. Wait a second. Like, hang on. No, it's like. The person in Gav, tears was no, me. No, 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 no. Hang on. <laughs> it's like Gav's clearly full of shit, and which people that know you will know that you are. But anyway. We got to, I got to the breaking point and decided I'd get in touch with him. He came back within an hour and we're going to do him on Thursday. It's Tuesday right now. So if you need, <coughs> if you need some sorting. Apart from the speaking. Apart from speaking. Just uh, remember who, who sorts shit out on this podcast. All right. All right. Yeah. I've sorted yeah. today's guest out and I sorted the last guest out. Just you chill your boots a little bit. All right. All right. All right. All anyway. Right. Uh, and I noticed that you had to use my name. To get to get him to say yes as well. Yeah, I, yeah. I've seen the message. <laughs> no, you, you saw the message. Obviously, I sent it to you. You like it's posting exactly. Yeah. Me and Gavin Nemeth from BT. You know the one with the beard, bit weird looking. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he came straight back, so that's Charming. good. So it's pleased we've got we've got him in the bag. So yeah, but I'd, do you well, like, I'd love exactly. I'd love. <laughs> I'd so love it if he was motocrossing or going out dirt track training that oh, day no. or something. That that would make that honestly would make me giggle. It would make me yeah, giggle. I, this could be embarrassing, couldn't it? It could be. Um, so you've been out uh, labouring, doing too much. Do you know what? I've I've not been doing too much uh, here. I'll be honest. Just um, 
watching old races. 2017, next on the greatest years for that. I've been doing a bit of cooking. You know, yeah. I've, well, you, I've you turned into a 1950s housewife, Neil. I've got, you, I've got. You, a, you've always been a bit wet. Go yeah, exactly. I've got, I've got a sourdough starter on the go and things like that. I'm, <laughs> it's just like, talk, what is wrong with me? Talk me through that picture you sent me yesterday. That no, that looked good. Oh, ramen. It was ramen yesterday. Basically, we have a ramen off. Oh no, sorry, in. I was thinking of another picture. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, that was the noodles. Lads, 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 lads. <laughs> what was his name anyway? That guy. Anyway, go on. Really. <laughs> oh, his was a new Don noodle. Anyway. Uh, we were, we were, we have a ramen off myself and Neil. Uh, we're both big fans yeah. of the the um, oh Japanese my God, ramen. I can just hear people just like just just turning off. We have a ramen off, and like literally, people will be going. First of all, there'll be loads of people going. What's that? There'll be other people going. I was just bankers. just about to explain. We go to Japan a lot. We've been to Japan, and when you go over to Japan, you love a bowl of noodle soup, basically. And we love a noodle soup. Yeah. And uh, you always claim that you make them. I reckon it's always Vic, your girlfriend. But anyway, yeah. I, I made a pork one last night and it was slow cooked, amazing, just lovely. This, yeah, uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. It, if it tastes half as good as it looked, it must have been amazing because it did make my mouth water when you sent me the picture. I, I'd got, I've been to get like the black sesame seeds put on top and everything and it was just a bit of chilli yeah. in it. Bit of, I had shiitake mushrooms. Honestly, it was just and pork belly on top, which was filth, but yeah. do you know what? It tasted all very good. Anyway, so that was what I've been doing, to be honest. And do you know what else I've been doing? I've been getting wanderlust. Go on. I've found myself looking at. Oh, I'd love to be in. I'd love to be in. Um, I, I, look, I was looking at Le Mans, and then I found something else in France, and then it was like looking at beaches and stuff. And then it was like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to be on holiday? I was just dreaming about, you know, that we'd be going next up. We'd be going to uh, Magello, and we'd be going to Barcelona. And Don't. We usually stop have it. a couple stop of days it. in yeah. between, and, and it was just like, oh. How amazing would it be to go on holiday right now? That sort of thing. I had oh. so I had a proper wanderlust going through from one page to the next to the. Oh, wouldn't it be? Oh, and oh, yeah. So I had one of those. Oh well. It'll make us appreciate it, won't it? Certainly, obviously, if everything gets back to normal, certainly next year. Yeah. I think we'll all appreciate what oh, we're doing. My God, a lot yeah. more. Everybody I've yeah. spoke to from our team from BT. Because I think I don't know if people realise. I think I've mentioned it before, but there's 28 of us travel around together. It's a big. And it's not the same team. 28, is it? It's about probably a pool of about no. 40, 50 people. A lot yeah. of them have lost their jobs at the moment. I know, know it's a, a few of our, our colleagues. All the freelance. Yeah, yeah, for the freelancers. Yeah, yeah and the, you know, people who've um, who haven't got any work at the moment and struggling to get by. So uh, yeah, but we just one thing. Gav, Go on. I've just realised I'm not recording on my iPad. Do I need to? No, no, don't worry about it. I've got it all recorded all here. Right. All right. Okay, I've so got it all recorded sorry. here, and you actually sound quite decent today. Maybe oh, a good. better signal there. Maybe it's the birds yeah. in the background. I don't know. Um, so let's talk about today's guest, Neil, uh, coming up now. Now, we've spoken to current riders. We've uh, spoken to current riders of all sorts of disciplines and ex-riders too, uh, but we haven't spoken to anyone uh, in the unique position that we find Lucio Cecchinello, who, of course, himself was a very accomplished Grand Prix rider, winner of seven Grand Prix, set up his own team while he was racing. But since then, uh, has had a team, well, graduated into MotoGP. He's had some great riders in MotoGP. Started with Casey Stoner when he went into into the top class. But since then, he's had the likes of Carlos Checo, who was obviously went on to be World Superbike Champion, Stefan Bradle, who's a Moto2 champion. And over the last five years, one of our most recent guests, Cal Crutchlow, uh, he has been his team boss, which is an unenviable position. <laughs> really, it's, to be it's, in, it's, it? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to, to hear what he says about Cal. I, we, we, obviously, we already know. He loves Cal, by the way. Yeah. But I'm sure he's got plenty of stories for us. 
And and he's a. Is, I know Lucho really well. I've known him for a long time, um, and um, always got on really well with him. He's one of these proper, down to earth, good guys and properly good who loves the sport. And that's what it all comes from. It's just love to the sport. But someone Neil also who's a workaholic. Like he does oh, not stop, yeah. and and actually he's been sleeping and living in the team workshop recently. We're going to find out why he's been doing that. Uh, but you know you can just tell by the fact there's two main sponsors for his two riders and so many little sponsors. He works hard, doesn't he? Oh, that is a job you wouldn't want, honestly. It's um, it's a proper vocation, isn't it? I, don't get me wrong. I'm sure th- there are seasons where he's made really good money. You know, he's got lots of small sponsors. He works hard. But there'll be years where he's not made money. There's be, there'll be years when he's had to bankroll it himself. He puts a lot of effort in. He, he's a bit of an all-round good guy. I've known him for a long time. I, you I first, raced first, him, weren't you? You'd have raced him, weren't you, when you were in exactly. 125s, first of all? I first, I first raced him, actually, in the European 125 Championships back in 1992. 92, and he was like, right. a fa- like a factory rider then. He was like Team Italia. Yeah. Um, incredibly fast. Like, miles faster than me. This was back in 92. And then, luckily, I managed to move up into to full-time Grand Prix riding in 93, and he stayed doing the European Championships. I think he might have done a wild card or a few rounds. And then we raced against each other in 1994, throughout this season, in uh, 125 Grand Prix. And then we went our separate ways. He obviously stayed in 125s. He was a... Career 125 rider, right, Yeah, career 125 guy, which was quite common back in those days. Obviously, you don't see it anymore. And he just got better and better, didn't he? Mm. Faster yeah. and faster. And, and actually, and when he start, the year he thing. retired from from racing, he was winning races. I remember him. I'm sure well, his last Grand Prix win was in Italy. I'm sure it was a Mugello Italian Grand Prix was his last last win, and right. in 2003, and he stopped that year. He had two podiums, and you sort of thinking, well, he still got it, but he was obviously he was a veteran of the class then, and the, probably. Uh, was when they started bringing in the age limits, that kind of thing. But yeah, uh, someone who is an, a, an absolute grafter. And, and it'll be interesting, Neil, for me. I just want to know how it's affecting a private team. You know, we've we've seen, I've seen articles with Hervé Poncheral, of course, but he's sort of semi-factory now, supported a little bit by KTM. I've, I've spoken to David Abrivio, been in one of the, the Suzuki debriefs and, and heard what it means for a factory team supported by Suzuki. But there's a team that just relies on Lucho and the sponsors getting the right money there. And, and has yeah. a, a raft of employees. You can't even imagine his stress level. You know, seriously, like, he'll be so anxious and it will be interesting. He's, what I like about him, he's, uh, like I say, we've both known him for a long time. He's always stayed consistent. He's an open, honest sort of guy. And hopefully, I'm pretty sure he will be. He'll tell us what it, what's really been going on behind the scenes. But for him, because he's so many sponsors, you can almost guarantee right now he's lost, well, maybe 20% of his sponsors, you know, and yeah. that's the difference between it happening or not. That's yeah. reality, you know, to try and compete in MotoGP. So. And to even, get, go- to even get a slot with him, Neil, we had to book this in because I wanted to do it back-to-back with Cal, so we had a bit of a balance, but he, he said, I've only got an hour. He's got meetings constantly. He's in, he's, yeah. he's doing stuff all the time. So actually, Neil, we've got a minute, so I, I better... Um, yeah, let's get him on. I better get him on. And that, that pigeon can go away. <laughs> yeah. Can you chuck a spade at it? I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to spot the bastard. <laughs> I don't know where it is. <laughs> I believe that Lucho is there. Look at him. Oh, yeah. I, I'm right, right here. Yeah. I can see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, how are you, Lucho, anyway? Not too bad. Not too bad. Thank you very much. Um, can you, 
Can I just check that you can hear Neil as well? Neil's uh, 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 bon here as well. Buongiorno. Oh, hi, Neil. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you. Yeah, thank you. Happy, happy to, to hear you too. Oh, good man. Guys, we miss being on track. Come on. <laughs> I know. It's a disaster, isn't it? We, we, we were just talking. We feel very... We feel sorry for you because, obviously, as a team manager in a in a like let's say a semi factory team, semi you know, not privateer team, but it's so difficult for you because of all the sponsors. Where are you with your stress level? Is it at uh, <laughs> maximum stress? Uh, uh, do you have uh, another question? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do, do, do you want to take a vodka first? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Well. I would say this is a secret between us, you know. <laughs> uh, the alcohol consumption uh, that I, I, I'm usually do, it's definitely more in this period because, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I need to uh, to increase the, the, the red wine, uh, especially in the evening, uh, to, to, to avoid... Um, to 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 wake up in uh, you know sometimes during the night and not being yeah. able to sleep anymore. We understand a hundred percent. Me and Gavin the same, but maybe you maybe you more. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you've been. Am I right, Lucho? That you've been staying in the team workshop in San Marino. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, since March 13, I am uh, stuck here inside of the workshop. Living here, sleep here, eat here, uh, wash my stuff here, and uh, I'm, you know, uh, I'm. Uh, I took the the opportunity uh, of those uh, lockdown period, uh, uh, those weeks of lockdown period, to reorganize the workshop. I mean, it was organized, but uh, this time uh, I make it perfect. <laughs> well, I know you're a perfectionist. You're also a workaholic too. So was that? Was that because of the lockdown situation you got stuck in over in San Marino in Italy? Because you live in uh, no. you, you live in Monaco normally, don't you? I, I live in Monaco. Uh, I, I live in Monaco since twenty five years. Uh, San Marino. Uh, uh, in San Marino, uh, we have opened a, a technical division when I was racing with Aprilia in that. In that period, uh, Aprilia Racing had uh, their uh, facility here in, in this industrial area inside of San Marino Republic. And uh, I opened uh, my workshop here next to their uh, facility. They left after a couple of years and uh, I, I stayed here. Inside of this workshop, in the past, we prepare all our two-stroke motorbikes um because uh, as you um, as for sure neil remember that uh, that the two stroke motorbikes needed a lot of maintenance and uh, a lot of uh, uh, let's say test on dyno before uh, going on track then we set up this working facility honestly in the in, in since we are racing in MotoGP, so since 2006 the workshop became more and more um, an hangar where uh, you stock the, play, the, the, the material, the, infra, the infrastructure of the hospitality, you stock, uh, you know, the, 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 the material of, 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 the, of the motorbike, uh, the spare parts, but it's not anymore really a workshop where you prepare physically the bikes because the bikes are prepared in Japan. 
I bet you need a few spare parts when you've had rowdies like Carl and Casey. Um, but <laughs> Lucio, how come you've been staying there though now recently? What, how come you ended up uh, living in the workshop over the last two months? Was that just a decision you took because you thought we're under lockdown, so I'm going to organise things? Because you've been sorting out like a, all your old trophies and all your old your father's yeah. old old bikes and things like that, haven't you? <clears throat> yes, yes, uh, definitely. Uh, we in 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 uh, let's say in in about ten days we will do a video of of the workshop and then uh, uh, would be a pleasure to to share with you. Basically, we do have um, our uh, uh, all 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 our team trophies are here because fortunately they are a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, we do have also a small museum with. The, Motorbikes with our motorbikes, uh, do, do, not the, the MotoGP bikes. I mean, I, we have a couple of MotoGP bikes, but uh, there are show bikes. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, there are real MotoGP bikes of the past years, but uh, we cannot turn it on. There, uh, we do have a um, two stroke machine very well uh, restored, and then uh, we do have. Um, also, a small museum with uh, vintage motorbikes uh, owned by my father. We have uh, our graphic department here. We have a couple of stuff. And then I decided to stay here because uh, it was a, a already a couple of years that I always postponed to reorganize mm. here. And uh, now I said, okay, this is the correct opportunity. Stay here, stay home. And... Uh, I mean, stay here and use this compound as uh, my home for uh, for weeks. Lucio, what, what about your wife? Are you on your own, or is you, is, did your wife come with you? Uh, I'm I'm uh, I don't have wife. Nobody wants oh. me. <laughs> oh bloody hell! Oh no, this has turned into some dating uh, <laughs> opportunity. So, if there are any attractive single ladies. Um, <laughs> Age between, I'd say, 35 and 50, Lucio is available, just so everybody knows. <laughs> is that okay, Lucio? Uh, any, anything more you want to add? 35, 35 uh, 45. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just so everybody knows, Lucio's 50, so he's going definitely for the younger model there. Um, Lucio, <laughs> as, a, as a, a team manager in a current situation where there is no racing, obviously your sponsors paid to be uh, on the side of a bike, <clears throat> paid to be part of the team coming to hospitality. But as a team manager, you have your employees, you have a rider. I know Cal's <clears throat> mainly paid by HRC, but how hard is it? How important, how critical is it for things to, to for racing to start again for you? Well, um, it's definitely, an, uh, it's, uh, definitely an hard period. Uh, first of all, uh, we during our uh, 24 years of activities we tried all the time to have um, always some uh, some reserve some some uh, some budget some budget reserve in case of uh, anything happen mm. uh, uh, second uh, of course uh, we are uh, we are uh, we are uh, lcr uh, is composed by 50 members uh, uh, 20 of them uh, are officially employed. The other 30 are uh, independent contractors. And uh, 
what we have done in this period uh, with the official employers, uh, we use uh, what we call uh, casa integrazione. I don't know how in English you say when uh, you put them home, but is the government pay yeah. them uh, like seventy percent of the of the exactly. salary? Exactly, it's the furlough. We call it the furlough scheme. It's a word that nobody knew existed in the in England uh, or well in the UK until this period. But yeah, that's what's happening here as well for a lot of companies. Yeah. And then, and then uh, the, with the other uh, contractors, the contractors, anyway, we, we give them some kind of uh, advance on their uh, on the on a salary that has to be has to be reconsidered, uh, taking in account uh, the amount of of, of uh, races that we are going to to do. So uh, races and months that they are going to work. So basically, um, of course, I needed to to talk with my 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 staff and uh, to renegotiate their uh, their salaries, uh, their their uh, the, 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 what we, I have contracted uh, originally. Because of course we are not racing; we have no income at the moment. Uh, as you said. Uh, our sponsor at the moment uh, suspend the payments because we are not uh, providing uh, the, the the contracted exposure, brand exposure, and the contracted uh, services. We are uh, anyway facing this period uh, by using our reserve budget and also thanks uh, to Dorna that uh, provide us. Uh, some advance on on uh, on uh, what are the staff team contribution. So basically, uh, in normal circumstances, uh, Dorna should have uh, provided us uh, a certain amount of of, of money yeah. of budget, and uh, uh, of course they uh, they are uh, just uh, paying part of of contribution but with this part of contribution considering that we are not racing and that we also freeze all our um, purchase with our suppliers we are in a situation uh, tight situation but definitely definitely we can survive which is good to hear that you're able to, to survive and keep going and because you know it looks more and more likely that that July 19th and, and back-to-back races in Jerez. It looks like it's going to happen. Having seen the German football start this weekend, I know in the, the football is starting in, in Spain and in Italy, I know they're starting to train and that kind of thing. Are you positive that, that racing will begin in the middle of July? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, I'm positive. I'm positive because uh, I, can, uh, I can't imagine how uh, i mean i can't imagine you know to you know to be obliged to to completely delete the championship this year championship mm. what uh, uh, what we have seen uh, in in china for example that uh, after uh, 3 months of a nightmare they are now started back to be on, on a pretty normal uh, life and this is exactly what is happening uh, because it's already almost three months that uh, in Italy we are uh, locked down in French we are down and uh, 
And then uh, I think that uh, realistically, what Dorn have done at the mid of July, end of July, it's possible, imagine, to have uh, races with, of course, uh, uh, the correct uh, safety and the sanitary protocols. Close the door with public, no hospitality, but definitely we can, uh, we can uh, make races and we can uh, at least... Uh, provide the, the correct I mean the, the, we can provide enough enjoyment for our uh, for our fun through the television channels which is and a relief for all of us yeah yeah absolutely Lucio a question obviously a lot of people are out of contract at the end of this year how does it work because there's always like the crazy rush to make the, the signatures to get people to sign early. We've already seen many of the top riders signing. Where does it leave you, this situation? Does it make it obviously even harder to make a decision or, or to well, make an approach? Uh, well, in, um, in reality, since a couple of years, uh, since uh, Stefan Bradel, we, our uh, riders, has been contracted directly uh, from HRC. Okay. Bradel, uh, 2013, 12, uh, no, 12, 13, 14 was contracted by HRC. Cal, uh, 15, 16, 17, 18, uh, 19 was, uh, and 20 was contracted by HRC. And uh, therefore, uh, our, uh, our 2021 rider will be contracted by HFC again. So okay. uh, it's, a, it's a kind of a common discussion that we, we, we will have together with HRC. HRC at the moment uh, asked me to wait a uh, couple of weeks more before to, let's say, uh, think about... Uh, to possibly renew the contract with Cal or to move uh, on another project. They asked me a couple of, uh, couple of weeks more because they wanted the, you know how Japanese are very attentive and they wanted to, to have a very clear scenario. And I believe that uh, now with the COVID uh, situation, they wanted uh, you know, to be sure that we are going to be back on track. And then from there, I think that they will move on the further step to to decide which uh, rider line up. But um, we already told the HRC that uh, from our side we we will be more than keen to to continue with Carl. Do you do you think they will do only one year contracts or will they look to two? I mean, does it? It must change things that this current situation. Um, I know that Carl already started to get in in touch with, with HRC about that. And uh, I know that HRC asked uh, Carl to, to be patient a uh, uh, couple of more weeks. Uh, mm. I mean, uh, and I believe that, uh, I believe that they will, uh, they, they must, they must, you know, they must uh, go for, for, uh, for making a decision. So, um, in, in reality, as we are using the factory bike, as we do have a factory bike, at the very end, they will decide of which riders needed to deserve to ride this factory bike. 
also they will uh, will will uh, will pay the, the the rider. So somehow we can only say yes with this rider we can uh, we can um, we we have the full support of our sponsor or with that rider we will have uh, not the full support from our sponsor. This is what uh, what perhaps we we can say to HRC. But uh, you know again it's. Um, it's something that uh, I believe will be will be clarified in a couple of weeks. Um, what is it like? We, we we had Cal on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> and obviously we've only started this podcast recently because everyone was in lockdown. And it's nice; it's a good chance to speak to people outside the paddock. And we know, for example, Cal uh, inside the paddock. Sometimes he's very focused on his work and. You know, he can be a, a particular, uh, a unique kind of character. But outside, we had a great chat with him on the podcast. Uh, but we were wondering, um, and this is why we wanted to speak to you as very soon after speaking to Cal. What's he like? What's it like to work with him? Ah, um, you, you know, Cal, uh, uh, it's um, in some, I mean... Uh, uh, we did uh, we did uh, work with Cal. Uh, this is our sixth season working with Cal, uh, which is uh, quite a record, uh, you know, for 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 us and also for him uh, to work on a, consecutively for six seasons in a row mm. with the same. Uh, we pretty know each other very well, and uh, working with him is, uh, in my opinion, it's uh, is. It's it's very good because uh, you know Cal know exactly w- until uh, you know w- what is important for uh, for the race for the racing. I mean Cal know that uh, if we have to do an important uh, sponsor activity, he never say no. Cal uh, know how much important it is uh, to be fit at the beginning of the season. Cal know how much important it is to be uh, to take risk uh, on on a special uh, moment where uh, it can really make the difference. Like uh, you know uh, some races, some tricky races that we had in Brno, uh, where, where we won, or in in in, uh, in Argentina mm-hmm. or in Germany, we did excellent races. So working with him, in my opinion, is 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 very good because. Uh, he know what to do, and uh, and of course he always try, whenever it's possible, he try to skip to do uh, not fundamental things like uh, I don't know, for example, Dorna Evans, you know, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and other other things that maybe he doesn't really consider necessary, you know, but uh, honestly speaking, every time. Uh, I had uh, a chat with him, uh, requesting to do some uh, uh, activity. He always been there, and he never say no. And he he, he was always uh, very cooperative. He is very professional with the team. Uh, very good. Is uh, very good also to keep the team happy because uh, it's, uh, all, he always have a, a nice word with with the guys after the race. Uh, you know, he he is you know he congratulates. Everybody after the race, he, he apologizes when he do a mistake after the race. Uh, he is very honest, you know. He's very honest also with the team, and every 
he has an excellent in the team in the garage everybody has an excellent uh, relationship with him it's it's funny cause that's how we see him Gav he's very honest isn't yeah. he you know what I mean you know what he's thinking yeah and yeah. a lot of people don't like that because sometimes he doesn't put um, like a a bit of false what people want to hear <clears throat> yeah he doesn't, you know, poli- he doesn't polish something does he, he? he doesn't polish yeah. it yeah and, and sometimes people don't like him for that we like him for his honesty so, so Lucio, you started. Obviously, you was a very successful racer yourself, and and but you started your own team early whilst you were still racing back in 1996. It took you 10 years as a team owner to end up in MotoGP as a team owner, and you had Casey Stoner in your first year. He almost won a race that year back in 2006. He finished second in Turkey to Marco Melandri in that fantastic race, mm. but it was. Another 10 years before your first ever MotoGP win, the pinnacle to win a MotoGP race as a team manager. Tell me what that felt like, because it had been a 20-year journey as a team manager to, to yeah. win your first MotoGP race. What was it like? Uh, yes, that's why I have this picture inside of my, my uh, be, 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 below, uh, on the back of my desk. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it means a lot for me. It means a lot. That day it means a lot because um, it's uh, you know it's some kind of uh, of adventure of of, of journey uh, that you you if you think if I think about how much work sacrifice risks kilometers planes and and you know meetings and and uh, uh, hour of work I have done to to yeah. reach. All, all the small talk, when you're talking to people you don't want to talk to, potential sponsors that don't even happen, you know, all those hours. Uh, yeah, that, believe me, that was a massive work for me and uh, also for all my, my staff. That day was, uh, was a really fantastic day. Honestly, when uh, we arrived in MotoGP with Casey, we had uh, a, a special rider. We knew that we had a special riders, but we didn't expect to be so competitive. So we were quite, honestly, we were quite shocked to make the pole position of the first race in Qatar, mm. to fight for the victory for the, in the second race in Turkey, uh, to fight for the podiums uh, during uh, other uh, races in that year. But we definitely, I definitely felt like uh, it was too easy. It was like, uh, Wow, it's it's you know we arrived in MotoGP, bang, pole position in the first race at the at ever in MotoGP class. It's 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 fantastic, but on the other side, I felt like uh, almost not real, you know. Yeah, and I understand. Now I feel that uh, it's you know we earned that yeah. victory. We earned yeah. that three victories with Cal. We earned it because we worked a lot. We 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 organized the team uh, on a let's say the most professional way we could organize. We we selected the the, 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 the team personnel at the best. We collected and and study a lot of data during that 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 years with working with Honda because of course uh, is uh, since from 2006 uh, you know is our 15 years in 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 the MotoGP class working with Honda. So we have a lot of data. We have, we know very well the CV machine. Um, so yes, it was fantastic and it was a memorable day. 
it was like uh, for me landing in the moon <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine as um, well landing um, in the moon what, what, as well what, with a homemade rocket <laughs> and was it um, was it what you expected because sometimes it's not what you expect if that makes sense you know like the emotion of achieving the ultimate goal of wow we won did it feel like you expected um uh, as a racer i had already some special feeling of of being the podium uh, make a, make a special results be the first be the, the be the best of course uh, in a different category but um, the, the 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 sensation uh, you know to be on on the podium it's uh, you never forget and uh, when uh, i had the opportunity to to go in uh, in the podium in czech republic our first victory which corresponded uh, 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 the first victory after 35 years for a British rider. Mm -hmm. We <laughs> yeah, remember it yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, was uh, was a fantastic feeling, and uh, it, you know, it took me back like uh, 20 years. <laughs> you know, it took me back like 20 years when, when I had uh, my first podium in in uh, in the World Championship with my. With my small uh, Honda in, in the 125 class in in uh, in Harama, it yeah. was uh, a lot of um, how you say in English, biri biri, feeling like um, ticklets, you know, <laughs> in the skin, you know, goosebumps. Yeah, like goosebumps. Yeah. yeah, goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine like, as well. There's also there's got to be a lot of pride because of the work you've put in, as you said, but also that you've brought together a team of people, uh, all your staff, all your crew, all these people have come together, and you've all achieved your objective. That's that's for me. There's something that you've been at the head of all that must feel, yeah. You must it must be it must have been a proud day. And obviously, it's happened again since. It happened in Australia, happened again in Argentina, as you mentioned, and and you almost collapsed on the pit wall. I remember yeah. <laughs> we got the shots of. I think you were ripping open Beefy's shirt as you were falling down on the on the pit wall. But we know how much you live and breathe it, don't you? Still, it's almost like you're still riding, isn't it, Lucho? <laughs> yes, you know um, when uh, when I am behind of, of of the pit wall, when I am inside of uh, our canopy, uh, honestly, there are uh, a lot of time that, uh, believe or not, with my head, I am on that bike. <laughs> I am on that bike with my rider, and I I like you know. Okay, now uh, I have to lean. Now I have to brake. Now I have to open the throttle. Now I have to do not turn back. Now I have to do this. Now I have that. Come on, Carl. Come on, Carl. You know that uh, it, it's. I'm there with, with. You know, I'm. I'm still riding with my head. Brilliant. And this Brilliant. is uh, fantastic for me because um, uh, because it's, it's a passion that uh, you know is still there. And uh, despite I'm not riding anymore with with my soul, with my heart, and I'm, I'm I'm there on that bike with my rider. And um, I'm missing a lot this. Over, over the years, you've managed, you know, you've, as a team manager, you've had so many incredible riders. I've put a, got a list of, like, Nobby Ueda, Alex DeAngelis, Roberto Locatelli, Matteo Pacini, uh, Dupunier, Carlos Checa, Laverty, Eugene Laverty. 
Tony Elias, Stoner, Brodel, Jack Miller, Takanakagami, obviously Cal. Tell us who's been, has there been a standout? Has there been where you go? And it, it might not, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming people will think, ah, oh, he's going to say Stoner, clearly Stoner, because obviously yeah. Stoner is Stoner. But has there been a standout with you, with the, anybody else where you think maybe he didn't reach his full potential or, or what? Well, every every rider, you know, every rider had had something special uh, to me. Um, you know, I can have, uh, uh, of course, uh, something special and something that uh, perhaps I didn't uh, share or I didn't like. Uh, every rider has his own uh, history, his his, his own um, uh, riding style, his uh, working style. I would say that. Uh, there, there was, uh, you know, a lot of qualities uh, for me um, by by a lot of riders, by good, good quality by a lot of riders. The, of course, if we are talking in the pure talent point of view, I would say Stoner was the most talented uh, rider ever. I think in 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 the last, you know, two decades. Uh, in terms of pure talent, perhaps even uh, even uh, more talented than than market. In 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 my opinion, in term- what, why though? That's the question: is why? Because you see what we can't see. Obviously, we can we watch the races, but what I mean is you can see data or you can hear what he says. Why? What was it? What did uh, you see? Uh, you know what uh, I experienced with. Uh, with Stoner, it was something that uh, I never experienced, I never seen in other riders, like Marcus, for example. Uh, imagine you jump on a MotoGP machine in Qatar for the first race. You have been um, not participating at the second winter test because uh, you had arm pump, pro- pro- pump problems. You arrive in Qatar uh, on Friday morning. You landed at 9:20 in Doha, when the practice started at 10 o'clock, because you miss uh, two correspondences on uh, joining uh, Doha. Uh, you slept in the airport uh, on the floor uh, on on uh, on uh, Thursday night uh, and Friday morning. Uh, he, you know, I, I took him, I collected uh, him from the airport, picked up him from the airport, uh, drove uh, at full speed from the airport to the racetrack. Uh, while uh, he was putting the leather, he didn't have time to talk with the mechanics to do to say anything to anybody. Elisa Pina, our Pina, was uh, the, giving him uh, some coffee while he was uh, dra- putting his leather on. Jump on the bike. Never seen uh, uh, Doha racetrack, Los Aid racetrack, and uh, after uh, three laps, best lap. After <laughs> 15 minutes, best lap. After uh, the session, best lap. After the qualifying, uh, first uh, pole, pole, pole position. You know, it's something that uh, you know. It's uh, wow. This this kid is is uh, is uh, in terms of pure speed. In terms of you know, he need so he need he doesn't need the time to familiarize with the bike and to understand the limit of the bike. He he, he doesn't really need time. 
You know, another uh, things that with Stoner happened, for example, it was uh, in uh, Laguna Seca. Laguna Seca is a pretty hard race track with a MotoGP machine, yeah. especially you know that uh, that uh, that. Um, Course, course, crew, co- are you saying here? Yeah, course, crew. Yeah, 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 yeah. Course, course, it's, it's, it's a right. technical racetrack, very technical place. Yeah, and then I remember we arrived there. We arrived there, and then uh, I remember that Mr. Espeleta uh, arrived on Thursday in our pit garage and said, "Hey, Kizzy, you want to jump on the bike and uh, in the in the car with me? Then we are going to see the racetrack." And he he looked at Espeleta and said, "No, no, I don't need." He never saw the track. Never saw the track. Never, never saw the truck. He said that they saw the truck on television, you know, and was enough. He never saw the truck. And then uh, on the Friday morning, it was uh, Casey Stoner, Nicky Hayden, and Colin Edwards, <laughs> you know? Wow, wow. <laughs> so it's something that uh, y- y- you, you, cannot, uh, you cannot understand how this kid was, uh, could, could do such special things it was a simply natural talent uh, talented it, it was a fantastic how he he was able to understand the, the racetrack the bike you know the limit of the bike in uh, just 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 couple of laps this yeah. it's a natural pure talent yeah yeah. And, you, and you'd well, had him as well as a 16-year-old on a 250, which at the time, I remember all our minds were blown when he was on that 250 in his rookie season, which was uh, one at the time that we were all shaking our heads at it. And uh, yeah, I bet there were so many, so many things from Casey over the years. But you actually, you were, you were riding when he was first in your team, wasn't it? You were still in 125's winning races while yeah, all of it yeah, was going on. Yeah. Well, my story, you know, everybody, I mean, everybody in the, in the, in the paddock know my story. I, I started racing uh, when I was, uh, you know, I was already 19 years old, so I was old. Uh, I was, um, my, my parents, my parents didn't, didn't want me, didn't allow me to go racing, so I needed to wait. Then uh, when uh, I arrived in the World Championship, uh, I, you know, I had a couple of years with a private team and it was very, very hard. And then I decided, because I was already 25, I decided to set up my own team. And then, uh, of course, uh, as I understood that I wasn't uh, naturally talented, I understood that uh, my future, had, I, I could have a great future in the, in the paddock, uh, having a team, running a team instead of, of, of uh, you know, being a, a successful rider. So I said, okay, I continue to race as much I can, as much I enjoy, and as much I can be competitive. But at the same time, let me start to grow the team and to have other riders. This was um, good and bad, depending the point of view, because it was good because this allowed me to develop my team and, and to, to, of course, to, to set up uh, my fu- a future for, for my work, uh, a, a work for the, for the future. On the other side, uh, it took me a lot of energy, definitely. Took yeah, a lot I, of- I can imagine you know riding and then having to manage all the other side of things at the same time but do you feel like you're only happy lucho when you are busy 
24 hours a day because you are you're a workaholic aren't you yeah i don't like this 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 uh, you know this word like workaholic i'm extremely passionate about uh, about my job about uh, about you know racing about motorcycles about uh, you know everything so honestly i i feel lucky because uh, i enjoy living here at the workshop enjoying uh, traveling going around the the, the world uh, you know and spend the time traveling for uh, making the races i enjoy share the the dinner with my crew i enjoy talk with the riders i enjoy talk with the engineers i enjoy talk with the sponsors so i i feel extremely lucky because um, for the other people, it looks like I'm a workaholic, but on the other side, on the other... No, not, not a work alcoholic. <laughs> a workaholic. But still, yeah, but yeah, yeah addicted yeah, to Lucio, working. But, but Gav, essentially, Lucio is a winner. Yeah. And he's, obs- he's obsessed with trying to win, yeah. and he'll do whatever it takes. And Lucio, like lots of team owners in the paddock, are the same. You know, they've got an, an incredible passion. If you don't have that passion, if you don't want to win... You do something else, don't you? That's not the job for you. And you know, like like we just explained before earlier, like you know, Lucio, it took him ten years in MotoGP to get that first win, but it but it was worth it. You know what I mean? All that work, all that sacrifice, and that's that's I I I totally get it. One question to you, Lucio, is what's the best part of being the team manager? What's the bit you really enjoy? Um, I most enjoy to make the technical debrief with my crew chiefs mm-hmm. uh, this I like a lot because uh, in my head you know I, I'm still uh, inside of my soul I'm still a rider and I like it very much to try to understand what are uh, the technical report what are the rider feelings the rider comments what uh, is the next strategy of the the the, the crew chief? Uh, you know, I like very much to talk with with the engineers, uh, looking at the data and trying to understand how uh, you know the latest technology to set up uh, you know the the the, the engine the, the engine uh, controls. So I, I really enjoy that part. So. Um, technically, I'm very interested, and, and for me, is is the best uh, the best things. Out of what all is- the riders you've worked with, Lucio, who's the best technically? Because you know, as an ex rider myself, you always think, I wonder if my feedback was good. I wonder mm-hmm. what other riders say. I wonder how technical or not technical they are. With your experience over the years, who's been the person that gives you probably the best feedback? Um. Uh... The the best feedback, uh, the, I mean, of course, um, is uh, there is an evolution of the sport. There is uh, in the late in the last years, the, the the technically the bike became more and more complex and more and more uh, um, difficult to tune. Yeah, especially because, uh, as you know, the electronics, power, the power getting yeah, yeah, more yeah. and more. And then you need uh, a fine tuning of the electronics and the tools to, to tune the power delivery and the engine brake are uh, more and more complex. And, uh, 
tune the power delivery by the considering each corner of the racetrack, considering the lean angle, considering the the uh, uh, tire slip, considering uh, the, the 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 way how the the rider pick up the bike. Uh, so it's it's very complex. I must say that uh, I am impressed, and I'm really impressed how Cal is providing precise information regarding uh, the bike uh, setup. I'm really really impressed because uh, uh, it's um, it's very detailed, and uh, that's why I believe that uh, he did. Uh, 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 a long uh, career with Honda and hopefully he will continue to work with Honda because uh, they recognize also that uh, he was uh, and he is extremely helpful to develop the bike because he's very precise. Yeah, which has obviously proved valuable in terms of developing a bike when it when it how you have such a character like Mark Marquez who has a, such a unique style, a unique way of riding and Cal is that if he's got that good feedback and can be that the middleman, the neutral man that makes the bike a better package as a whole, that's obviously valuable for for them uh, there there at, uh, at, uh, at Honda. Um, I ju- when you were just talking there about you riding and, and and managing at the same time, am I right in thinking you won you won the Italian Grand Prix with your last Grand Prix win, Lucho? Is that is that correct? I think it was. Yes. Uh, yes, what, yes. What, what, how does that compare then to the, the elation, the the moment you know of winning, not only winning another Grand Prix, but winning at home in Italy? Well, uh, first of all, winning winning a Grand Prix is always special. But what was uh, extremely special for me was to win the race. Where uh, you started for the very first time, mm. uh, you know, competing. You won uh, a Grand Prix in front of uh, thousands of your uh, fans, of your supporters. You won a Grand Prix in uh, in in a place which is considered one of the temple of of, of racing. You know. So it was a really, really, really special. I would say the the joy was uh, the happiness and this, the feeling was uh, special as almost as the first victory. The first victory is slightly, still slightly the top one. Really? Yes. The first victory, yes. That's, is that the one you remember above all others then? When was that? Because that was... That was um... Was that 98? 98, Harama 98. Yeah. Uh, yes, this was a special, uh, very special feeling because, uh, again, in that moment, it was like uh, the feeling that uh, I won a bet because uh, I, two years before, 96, I started with my own team. Many people... Uh, and even some supporters said to me, "You are crazy. You is better you go racing with somebody, some existing team already organized." And uh, and then I said, "No, I I prefer to set up my own team because I want to work with uh, you know with 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 people uh, which I I 
I believe, I trust, and uh, you know, I had already my own vision, my own idea. And again, I also wanted to to establish something for to assure me a future in the paddock uh, after my racing career, uh, which I knew that it couldn't be very long because I started late, and also I, I, because I didn't. Uh, had the, the talent, uh, you know, that like the other riders had. So I, it was a fantastic feeling because uh, it was like, wow, you know, I, I've, I have made a crazy choice. I have took a lot of risk. And now, you know, I, can, I, I prove myself. Mm. I prove myself that uh, that was the right decision. And this, it makes you sense of proudness, which is, uh, you know, which is fantastic. It's it's it's, it's it's funny because Gav, what it's it's hard to explain, but I genuinely mean this. Mm-hmm. That sensation you get when you stand on the top of a podium and you've won your first world championship race, that what dreams are made of, and you've tried so hard for so long and dedicated your life to it, and you've had all the injuries and you've had the sleepless nights. When you when you achieve it, the endorphin release in your body, that chemical release, nothing in life apart from the, the closest thing was when my daughter was born and I, st- I was in the hospital and you're there and that overwhelming experience comes. That's the only thing that ever came close to that that first victory. And that's what you that's basically what Lucho's talking mm. about. It's that. You can't anything else you do in life, and that could be for me. I'm only talking personally, but I've been sport to other races. If you buy a new house or get a new girlfriend or whatever, you know, your football team wins, you know, and it's it's you, for you for Leeds to win the, the Premier League still wouldn't be the same feeling as you personally achieving your lifetime mm. goal. Nothing comes close to it, and that's why I think a lot of people struggle after racing because. You, you can't get that endorphin, the endorphin release again to that level. Obviously, Lucho has, basically, by being able to be a team manager, a team owner of a, of a, of a MotoGP winning team. That's, you know, that's as close as you can get. But still, that's not quite the same. That's, what, that's basically what Lucho is saying. Absolutely. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting, really, that. Right. It is, it is. And the chance of Leeds winning the Premier League is uh, very remote at this moment in part time. But anyway, <laughs> I, I completely get it. I mean, my lifetime goal was to work on TV with you, Neil. And look at that. Look at how that's worked oh, out. Anyway. You, and, and so you, you get the endorphin release every time you're working with me. You're so lucky. What a, you're very, you have, I, I, I do remind you a lot, you're a very lucky man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I think is it is it time for the big question? It's time. It is time. I, I felt it then. Just just on that heartfelt um, introduction that you gave there, Neil. I think it should be time for your your you to ask the big questions to Lucho. Okay, Lucho. Just so you understand how this works. Obviously, first of all, thanks for giving us your time. It's been really interesting hearing the stories. But the main part of the podcast <laughs> is is my quick fire round question. Big. Deep, hard-hitting, um, probably questions you've not been asked before, and I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you. 
Um, you know, obviously we challenge each other on the track a little bit, but I think this is going to push you even further. So are you ready? Shall I must get scared or I just you as long be very you, nervous? As long as you sat down, you'll be fine. Sit down and just be ready for some very big questions. Right. First of all, when you was a kid, when you was a child yeah. at home, who who what posters did you have on your bedroom wall? <laughs> uh, I had the poster of Carlos Lavado. Wow, fantastic! Uh, the poster of uh, Pier Francesco Chili. Oh, Frankie! I love Frankie. Yes, and uh, the poster of Anton Mang. Ah, yeah. Tony Mang. And the poster of Cork Ballington. Wow! <laughs> and Brilliant. The poster of Fausto Gresini. Wow. <laughs> Does Brilliant. Fausto know this now? Sorry? I said, I said, Does Fausto know that he was on your bedroom wall? I told him uh, on an <laughs> interview we had to together uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, yes, he was surprised. And uh, yeah, but this is true. Uh, this is true. <laughs> Brilliant. That's a, I love that. I love Carlos. So, Carlos Lovado is a character. A character. Yeah, he is a character. <laughs> he could ride. Wow. <laughs> With the yellow VMI uh, HB and 250, yes, yes. And then yeah. uh, I told also uh, Carlos that I had a poster in my bedroom, and uh, and then uh, he was uh, so so nice. And then he he brought me another uh, poster with uh, of him uh, with the dedica, you know. So oh, uh, brilliant. And and believe or not, it's uh, it's uh, one of the frame that I am going to hang on the wall here in the workshop today because oh, it's, wow. yes he's on he's on he's on on the on the floor together with other posters that uh, will be hang on the floor to uh, in the in the in the in the wall today I love that oh that's a good one do you know you won't know this but Gavin um, when he was a child on his wall he had a picture of David Hasselhoff <laughs> So, but we won't, we don't talk about that. We don't, we, we just, just, we don't talk about that. It's, you know, everybody's different. I just so. love Knight Rider, all right. Oh, that is perfect. <laughs> no, but it was Baywatch, he was in his Speedos, but that's another story. So, Lucio, me and Gavin, we're going to take you to the pub and we're going to have a big session. What's yeah. your drink? What are you drinking? Uh, Gav's buying. Well, um, I, I, I do not like uh, uh, alcohol like whiskey or uh, yeah. vodka. For me, it's too hard, too heavy, too hard. Uh, I like uh, on top there is a red wine, and then second there is a champagne, and third there is a beer. Okay. Which red wine? Which red wine? Do you uh, like? Brunello di Montalcino. Di Montalcino. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> me too, me too. Love, love, lovely. Pint of, honestly, a pint of that, you feel great. <laughs> um, right. So, let's go with... This is exactly, you know, this this is uh, another, another secret, but I had uh, like uh, four boxes of, of uh, Brunello di Montalcino and uh, I drank in that period uh, every evening and then now is is finished and then... Uh, my hospitality staff came here to to look at the stock, and they said, "Where is finish or the Brunello?" <laughs> you know, I said, 
in my stomach, <laughs> in my liver. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. It, it is also an expensive wine that fortunately <laughs> we got as a present from a sponsor, but now it's not anymore a sponsor, so now we need to buy, you know? Then I was... <laughs> Brilliant. So, Lucio, you've been out on this on a big drinking session, right, with all the riders that have ridden for you. So you've been out with that long list of riders, your Nobby Uaders, Carlos Checkers, all that lot. Yeah. And you go, the night is finished, right? You've had a fantastic night, a big session. It's been a big party. Everybody's yeah. drunk. And you go and get a big taxi, right? Yeah. You are sat in the taxi with all the riders. Who is the... Out of all the riders, who is the first rider to offer to pay for the taxi? Nobody. Uh, <laughs> no rider. You know, <laughs> you, know you, you point to something which is very strange because uh, I don't know why, but uh, riders in general, are they have a very short hand, you know? <laughs> so true. I could not agree with you more, Lucio. <laughs> I don't understand. I really don't understand why riders are, you know, uh, maybe, maybe because uh, because uh, maybe maybe Weda is going is going to pay. I bet oh, it, it would be Nobby. Nobby. You know it would be Nobby. It yeah, would be you're Nobby. You're so right. Riders have short arms, yeah. long pockets, and they love a freebie. Riders yeah. love yeah. a freebie, a free well, T-shirt, anything. Yeah, they expect yeah. a freebie. So, so Nobby would be the first to offer to pay. Who would be the yeah. first person to? To suggest, hey, listen, guys, when we stop, we all run. <laughs> <laughs> Without paying, obviously. Uh, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. But about paying, let me say something. Uh, this is true. I must say that... Uh, Without uh, going to detail of uh, names, but I had uh, some riders, you know, that brought me tickets of uh, one uh, euro twenty for a coffee, you know, to be, you know, uh, yeah, to be reimbursed. Reimbursed, yeah, yeah. and I have rider like riders like Carl that never, never brought me any, any, any ticket. But I believe that Carl didn't bring me any ticket because he, not because he's generous, because simply he hate to, you know, to look uh, at the numbers and to collect tickets and so on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can't be bothered with that. Yeah. Do you know what? I was, I was teammates with John Kaczynski in 1996, and I'll never forget, we was on a car park in Monterey, and we left the car park, and we'd been driving for about 15 minutes, and he went, fuck! Fuck! I went, what? He said, oh, I didn't get a receipt for the car park. <laughs> and I went, what do you mean? He went, oh, so Ducati will have to pay where, you know, we was on the car park. I went, but how much was the car park? And he said, oh, it was like $1.70. And I mm. went, it's no big deal. And he went, no, 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 we'll go back. And he turned <laughs> around and went back to try to get a receipt for $1.70. And at the time, he would have been being paid... Maybe half a million. Well, you've seen dollars. his. You've seen his house. That's how he has a house like that, Neil. That we saw. Yeah, exactly. It was in but that I, housing I magazine. I couldn't believe it. Right, we're still in the taxi, by the way. All right. So okay. you, you're in the taxi still. Who is the rider that falls asleep? <laughs> Fall asleep, uh, Tony Elias. Tony Elias. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Who is the rider that is sick? Because <laughs> he's had too much to drink. Eugene Laverty. <laughs> oh. We'll give Eugene some stick. <laughs> we'll give him some stick about that. Right, next question. We've nearly finished with the questions. So, where I come from, Luke Shaw, you can, the saying is, you can tell a man, you can tell the character of a man by what pizza he orders. Now, for example, I'll give you an example. <laughs> Gav loves a Hawaiian pizza, give ham and pineapple. <laughs> you know, I won't, I'll say no more. What is your pizza order? My favorite pizza... My, you, you ask me my favorite pizza? Yeah. Yes. Gab's a Hawaiian pizza. Yeah. Uh, my favorite pizza is uh, pizza with sausages. Sochi, so, with uh, what? Sausage, with, yeah. with, uh, with, um, sausage. Sausage. Oh, with sausage. Like, like, like spicy sausage? Uh, no spicy. No spicy. No, no. no. <laughs> so you, you like sausage pizza? Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, think, I mean, yeah, normally you, I, your, Hawaiian, your Hawaiian is better. <laughs> I like uh, normally I take always the the, the pizza margarita, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but when I when uh, you know I I'm really angry. Uh, pizza with sausage, yeah. Pizza with sausage, right? Just two more questions to go: Valentino Rossi or Mark Marquez? <laughs> it's a difficult one for you. No, well, uh, it's not it's not difficult. Mark Market because uh, uh, in every sport there is an evolution of the sport. There is an evolution of the riding style. There is a, uh, a, a, a there is just a, a, a you know um, a natural evolution. And uh, I truly believe that uh, Valentino, we should make a monument of him in every circuit we are going to race because Valentino brought the motorcycle racing you know at the, another level at another stage. Uh, he helped to 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 make the motorsport, the MotoGP, so popular, incredibly popular. So it's a fantastic. But uh, if you look how the sports, you know, developed, I would say Mark Markets because uh, you know he just put the 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 level of the the sport higher because uh, before there was. Uh, riders that uh, was uh, able to slide with the rear tire uh, like in the uh, back in the 80s and the 90s and then uh, after there are there has been riders able to to slide with both tires and then uh, now there is a market that is is losing the front tire and then is naturally not is is technically recover you know because is 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 not uh, is not a, a move that uh, is uh, simply made by luck, you know. Yeah. It's uh, a tech a technical, uh, you know, a technique that uh, that I believe that, uh, for example, uh, the riders of Valentino era uh, do not have, you know. Yeah. And so I believe yeah. that Mark will inspire the new rider generation. To do that, so we will see in the future riders that move more and more. Yeah, yeah, that technique being used. Yeah, I agree. Um, last question. This is the main question, really. This is like, like if you was in a competition, if you were doing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, this would be the million, million pound question. Wow. All right, are you ready? So, Lucio Chicinello, who is your favourite person that you've raced against in the past, but? 
now works as a TV pundit for a UK broadcaster. <laughs> Do you want me to repeat the question? No, 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 no. I have this straight answer. Neil Oxen. <laughs> what? Yeah. Lucio, my work here is done again. Thank you, sir. What a pleasure this has been. Oh. As you can see. As you can see, Lucho, very serious, very important questions uh, now that we know that you like a, a salamine pizza uh, <laughs> and that Eugene Laverty can't take his, his alcohol, which I'm very surprised at from an Irish man like Eugene. Um, Lucho, I, we have to thank you for joining us. Um, you've been with us an hour. We really appreciate your time because we know how busy you are. We know you've got so much work to do at the moment, um, not only sorting out your workshop and your offices, but... Um, getting the season sorted and uh, I just hope that we all get going in the middle of July and we get some good racing and we can see Cal back up there and Taka too because I think Taka's got um, a chance to go even further this year after what he showed with the, after his operation this year uh, but we appreciate you you're joining us Lucho and, and we do wish you all the best and that, that racing gets going for, for you and your staff Thank you so much and uh... Again, uh, it was a pleasure to, to spend this hour with you. Thank you, Lucio. Thank you. We look forward Thank to you. seeing you again. Look Thank forward you. to seeing you again, friend. Bye. Ciao, Bye -bye. Lucio. Take Bye -bye. care. Ciao, right. ciao. Grazie. Oh, it was great. I found out some fantastic things then, Neil. Some of, uh, some of the information. I mean... Yeah, just just brilliant. Some of the stories about I had heard that story about Casey turning up in Qatar before, um, you know, going on stake pole position that first weekend in in Qatar. But just the little things, little tales behind the scenes. Uh, there's someone who I don't think you're going to meet someone who's got. I think he said it, passion for the sport, but it's all from love of of motorcycling, isn't it? It it, re it really is. Good call getting him on. It, it's so nice to get that. To get the answers, you know, you ask the questions. And normally, obviously, when we, the, the problem for us with BT Sport is you've got so little time with people. Like, mm. like you'd ask him a question, you go like, so who's your, like, who's the most talented rider you've had? Oh, Stoner. And that's the end of the question. And then you've to move on, haven't you, to get you, get some questions, you know, to try and create a, 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 a five-minute interview or a three-minute interview where it's so nice to hear him elaborate on that and tell stories and, See, I'd heard bits of that story, but I'd not heard it all. The one about Stoner arriving late, and yeah, just... and he was, and he didn't. One thing he didn't mention is, is Casey was ill that weekend too, so he'd had the yeah. arm arm pump. He had a flu, and he turned up at the airport forty five minutes before first practice and ended up on uh, pole position. And he's first... basically he was saying that he thinks he's, he was even more naturally talented than bloody Marquez. I mean, it's just, and I trust what Lucho's saying. He's there working with you know he's worked with these people for years and. He, he knows a lot. If, if he's talking, I'm listening, that's for sure. But, but also, uh, the, the interesting about Cal and talking about contracts that they're talking already, we know, I mean, Cal has said himself that they're talking about things, but that they're, you know, it, it sounds to me like that'll, that'll happen. Yeah, he, he, absolutely. I thought that. I was smiling to myself when he was saying that. I'm thinking, that this sounds like a like a really positive, not, not it's a done deal, it's, it's still too early to be saying anything like, like that, but it's dead. So positive. They love him, don't they? They yeah, absolutely and, and because love of, him. Because of the feedback. Because he's the, I wouldn't say neutral rider, because he's he has to adapt a certain style, but he's the more normal rider. Is that... That doesn't sound... I don't mean that to sound um, bad. What I mean is he's the one that can 
develop their bike more than Mark. Yeah. Well, I think we've probably all been a bit guilty. I can, I'll hold my hand up and say, well, I didn't think Cal was that technical. You know, I think Cal's a bit old school, grabs it by the scruff of the, scruff of the neck and he'll, he'll as a, to use a Keith Ewan saying, force it to fit sort of rider. But he's clearly not because Luchill basically said that. You know, the question was, who's the most technical rider you've worked with? And he says, Cal. And he, Lucho in PR, well, he's PR savvy, but he, he wouldn't fill his with shit on that one. I don't, I don't think it, that's him telling you. Because I thought he might have gone like, a, oh, well, actually, Eugene Laverty. Because I know Eugene's quite technical. Yeah. You know what I mean, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he, he might look at one of his, the riders he's worked with in the past. But, and, it, and it's interesting for him to say, and when he says it, he knows the bikes now are so much more difficult to ride. Oh, they're more, more technical to set up not difficult to ride so technical to set up and i see that with alex lowe's because because i manage alex lowe's i've been in, sat in so many of his debriefs and it's hour after hour and that's just on electronics and that, sometimes we'll come back to the motorhome and i'll say to alex you've not really talked about suspension and like back in my day it was all suspension it was all suspension yeah 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 you know what i mean and and he's it, like oh yeah yeah no um yeah i do need to mention this or but but the electronic side of it is so bloody complicated. There are millions of permutations. So that's what, that's why they've become so technical, but so much harder to get the perfect setting. Yeah. It's like you, you, you've got your toolbox and in your day, there were maybe, there was one spanner, there was one screwdriver and uh, a drill or something. And nowadays you've got 15 different types of spanners, 15 different types of yeah. screwdrivers, you know, and it's just, no, everything's multiplied. In my day, with a big hammer and a little hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and we just always seemed to use a little hammer when it was for me. So, you know, but that doesn't mean anything. And that's just on your head. <laughs> hey, what about you liked it with a David Hasselhoff, didn't you? You were like... Well, actually, actually, you were, actually do you dick. know what? I didn't have, I, I, I didn't have David Hasselhoff, but I had, a, I had a poster of Street Hawk. Do you remember Street Hawk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did have a poster of that. I had lots of Leeds United players. Uh, and they will win the Premier League sooner rather than later. So uh, <laughs> up, up yours is all I can. Yeah. Uh, also, um, I think I better leave you to get back because yeah, I don't it, know. You, we could hear in the background that it sounded like Brogy was on with a wheelbarrow. It sounded like a wheelbarrow it, what, in, in the background. That's exactly what was happening. And um, <laughs> his, his two two lads were helping out as well. So it was it was starting to get a bit noisier. So that's why I moved. I moved into. Well, I thought I heard you move so. back into the car. So anyway, uh, hopefully you could hear all. It was just a couple of times Lucho dipped out, but I, I'm sure it was. Uh, oh no, it sounded fine. good to me. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, right. Well, I better let Top you man, get yeah. back uh, to digging some holes. Hey, thanks, Gav. Honestly, I really enjoyed that. And don't forget, I I love you, mate. Right, yeah, hope you all enjoyed Lucho too. We've got uh, another podcast coming soon. Hodge's promised. See you all, bye. <laughs> Ciao.